When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. With Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. ChumbaCasino.com has over 100 casino style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchases, over limited by law, 18 plus, terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The dream is made real. Ricky Hunt rocks the world. How do you like it? How do you like it? I wish I was 50 years younger and I'd kick your ass. It's over. Mamma mia. He's done it. title of today's episode is dry january and no it's not about alcohol and restraining from alcohol it's about the lack of boxing that we've had for this past month so today myself and johnson brown are here to break down all the news over the past couple of weeks we're going to be talking about the fights that have happened and we're also going to be talking about the fights that are coming up in this last week of january we're also going to be touching on some of the historical bouts that have happened in boxing history and of course, we're going to be looking at our Q&A section. We put a post out on Twitter and Facebook to see if anybody had any thoughts about the upcoming Olympics. We had thoughts on Canelo, we had thoughts on Callum Smith, Billy Joe Saunders. Many, many thoughts and many, many questions were put towards us. So, glad to be able to get them out in this episode as well. So, Johnson, January then. It's been as dry as a flip-flop in the sand, hasn't it? Oh, mate, hasn't it? It's been really dry. Oh, my God. I, I, I've hardly watched a single fight this month. And the ones that have been showcased haven't been great. Although we've had the one, one upset, which was decent. Other than that, it has been as dry as a mofo, in my opinion. So, mate, really bad. So, like I said at the top of the show, we're going to talk about a few sections today. Just cover the last couple of weeks off. Because the last episode we put out was our boxing wish list. And, and not a lot's really happened since and other than a few rumors and a few bits of speculation and a couple of changes to trainers so I wanted to cover off the news first and foremost and then we'll touch on obviously the fights that are coming up the fights that have happened uh, Q&A's and of course look at a couple of the historical bouts that have happened in what has been such a, a really really boring month 
for the start of 2020. So news then, I think I've got a few on the list that I've, that I've took down that I think are good to speak about that the listeners will probably want to hear our thoughts on. And I think the biggest topic on everybody's lips at the moment is the talk of a potential fight between Anthony Joshua and Tyson Fury not being held in the UK and potentially being held in Saudi Arabia. Oh, I've also heard Congo as well as a possible location for that fight if it was to happen I, I don't understand I mean you're talking about the two best British heavyweight we've had in a long time um, in the same era with titles on the line and they're actually debating about going and moving this in Saudi Arabia or Congo wherever. I mean it doesn't make no sense I mean what on earth goes on I, I don't understand it I did see something with Coogan recently where he put a tweet out in terms of money and you know if they're going to earn big money and who can blame them they're putting their lives online and for me I think that's a load of old bollocks um, <laughs> to be quite honest with you I think if you've got Anthony Joshua and Tyson Fury in the ring it has to happen at Wembley yes they put their lives online we absolutely we understand that but look come on two Brits two English fellas fighting at Wembley Stadium I, I said no brainer innit? I don't quite understand it Sean. no I don't I, I think I, well, I do and I don't. I think the part of me which does understand them wanting to take it elsewhere is because of the fact that it all does boil down to the the money. And, you know, what Coogan was saying in his tweet about, obviously, they're going to go for as much money as they possibly can because it's them that are putting their lives on the line, not us as fans uh, or as pundits. You know, we're just the guys that are having our opinion on that and they're the guys that are putting their lives on the line. However, as you rightly pointed out, it's two of the biggest British boxers in the heavyweight division for what the past 10-15 years and it's not potentially going to happen over here which is an absolute crying shame I'd love to see it at Wembley I think like I said in a previous episode a couple of weeks ago 100,000 at Wembley amazing that'd happen 100% that'd be brilliant and that would make a hell of a lot of money just as much money in my opinion as it probably would take in it elsewhere but if you've got like the Saudi prince coming over and saying we'll give you treble the amount you'd get at Wembley Stadium for it over here, then of course what are the promoters going to do? They're going to do the job and they're going to get as much money for the fighter and themselves as possible and we've had this debate numerous amount of times about what we think the promoters' best interests are and sometimes how they look after their own interests more so than the fighters but obviously if they see an opportunity to get uh, triple the money then they're going to do that so from that perspective, from a business perspective, I totally understand that decision. However, it's two British fighters potentially fighting for world titles. For, for all we know, it could potentially be for the, the undisputed. I mean, boxing politics probably will play a part in that, but I'm pretty sure all the organisations would allow it to happen and not strip, say, Joshua of his titles and, and you know, say, if Fury comes through Wilder and then we get that big fight later this year, for example, you know, boxing politics might actually play in our favour for a change as fans. We might actually see all the titles on the line. I mean, I'm just, again, I'm just going back to wishing again. But if that was to happen, surely they'd want it in Britain, where these two guys are from. No, they want to go to some historical event in, say, Saudi Arabia or Kinshasa, where obviously we, we had the rumble in the jungle. So, again, I can see arguments for both sides of the, the coin. But for me, as a fight fan, first and foremost, I'd want to see it at Wembley Stadium. Absolutely. And also, I mean, the fact that this would be the first ever it could be understood even if there's a unification fight here we're talking about it that's something that's not happened I mean when Bruno fought Lewis it's only the one title on the line you know that's about as far as I can I can remember with two British heavyweights in the same ring with a title on the line I mean this would be huge and 
you know, you wouldn't have, we've got the Super Bowl coming up next weekend. You know, I'm sure if if, if uh, the powers that be in the NFL decided actually we're going to go and play at Wembley Stadium, have the Super Bowl at Wembley Stadium, I can imagine the American audience would go, we'd be in uproar about it because, you know, it's their game. It's where they, you know, NFA Cup final in Japan. It, it just doesn't make sense. I just don't, just because the money's there, it doesn't make, end of the day, we as fans, we have a, they have a responsibility to us as well. We're paying good money and we'll be the ones paying the money that they're going to earn. So they should at least return that favour by having it at Wembley. I mean, that's just my opinion. I know you sort of think the same and, and I just think, it's, again, you know, I'm not going to go into it, but you know what, I have my feelings about uh, promoters and, and that's all it's about. It's just about them earning enough money. I'm going to swiftly move on then. That is our initial thoughts on that. Also then, that's been reported over the past couple of weeks. I've seen a few different media outlets reporting this bit of news. And Eddie Hearn himself speaking about this, putting an offer to Andy Ruiz Jr. to potentially fight Dillian White this year as well. But there's also the same rumours going around that Dillian White, if he doesn't end up getting Andy Ruiz in the USA, is going to end up fighting Povetkin in the UK instead. So two viable options there for Dillian White this year. And and obviously we we know our thoughts and feelings on on where we want to see his career going and his long-awaited title shot, which... It always seems to be edging further and further away from him every time we speak about it. Andy Ruiz Jr. or Povetkin, are they good fights for him? Yeah, I think so. I would like to see both of them, actually. Um, I think Andy Ruiz Jr. is probably the pick for me just because of what happened with Anthony Joshua and just to see if uh, if Dillian White could do any, any better. I think that's a great fight. It's a good opportunity for him to fight in the US. A lot of publicity out there. It's a good fight. I It'd be interesting to see what sort of styles both of them sort of approach that fight with, whether Dillian does continue with, with what he's been doing or he, he works behind the jab a little bit more. Would he be worried about Ruiz's hand speed? Would Ruiz come in to the fight in shape? I think that's another question mark. And if he does, then Ruiz is going to pose a threat. So I quite like that fight. I think that's a really interesting one. And over in the US, I'd be happy that I'd watch that myself. Povetkin, again, I do like the fight. I think Povetkin is he, he's a good. He's been around for a while now, hasn't he? He's, he doesn't really move from that top five. I think everyone sort of has him in and around the top five when they're when they're picking their best heavyweight. So you know, credit to him to be sticking around there and to have that in UK again. He's fought he's fought Price, you know, he's fought Joshua. Why not fight Dillian? I get that as well. So that's a fight I'd like to see. But I mean, for me, Povetkin, I would like to see the Hunter Junior. Um, I'd like to see that rematch to be fair um, I think Hunter deserves a, a rematch there so that's why I prefer Ruiz Jr and White over in, over in America Well I'd prefer the Ruiz Jr fight personally but I think it's more likely we'd get Povetkin here in the UK as you pointed yeah. out he's already faced Joshua here in the UK he's already come and faced Price and he's already come and faced Huey Fury as well so there's three fighters that have all been under the guidance of Eddie Hearn in promoting them fights so it's obviously got a really good working relationship and that seems a more logical fight that would happen if Andy Ruiz doesn't take that fight and obviously touching on Andy Ruiz Manny Robles has obviously split and parted ways with Andy Ruiz Jr basically saying that they couldn't control him, you know, they couldn't control what he was doing in the lead-up to the Joshua fight, and we've seen videos after the fact of him eating about 20 pizzas and 30 kebabs and wondering why he were, his performance was a bit lacklustre in the rematch against Joshua, and he led us all to believe that maybe he would do something or he would repeat his performance, but yeah, so he's lost a really good trainer there, and will he be as motivated as he once was? I'd like to think so, I'd like to see him take on Dillian White, I'd like to see that fight, that'd be that'd be a gunfight at the OK Corral, that would be a great fight to watch, certainly, but 
logically, Dillian White fights Povetkin. That's what's probably going to happen this year for me. So another bit of news and rumours that are coming out this week. And another one that we've uh, not had the opportunity to give our thoughts on is Josh Taylor. And he's split with the McGuigans and he's now training with Adam Booth. And he's also signed with Top Rank. Yeah, it's, it's a funny one. This. I, I'm a bit... So obviously, with, with McGuigan, uh, with the McGuigans, I should say, you know, we've had it with Frampton and they had their split and it's not really gone down too well. And then it's happened with Taylor as well. So I'm a little bit confused if there is a problem with with the McGuigans, whether, I don't know, whether, whether Barry maybe intervened a bit too much with Shane. I don't know. You know, we're, we're looking on the outside. We, don't, we, we can't really work out what it is. Is it that Taylor has seen that the grass is a bit greener and thought... I want to go to America. I want the big fights. The only way he's going to get that is if he goes and signs with top rank. The, the addition of Adam Booth, a very good trainer. We all know his style with, with Groves and Hay. He could bring something different. Um, is he a better operator, and a, a better man to have in the corner than Shane? He's got more experience, I suppose. I wouldn't say that he is necessarily much better than Shane. So, it's an interesting move. I mean, maybe Josh has just thought, I'm going to, you know, I'm going to get the bigger fights and that's why he's done it. Or it is a problem with the McGuigan because of, in the camp in general because of the situation that's happened with Frampton. So I, I really don't know. I know Shane is a bit hurt by it. I've seen something on Twitter and he was a bit gutted and, you know, he's upset with it all. It, it's a tricky one. I really can't... We, we can't... We can only just make past judgment on what we're seeing from the outside. We don't really know what's happening in the inner circle, I suppose. So I suppose Taylor's got an opportunity to get that big unification fight. So I suppose it makes sense for him to go with top rank. So good luck to the fella. I think with the McGuigans, uh, in terms of the matchmaking they did for Josh Taylor leading up to, to obviously his, his unified world title bout with Pagrai, I think you know the matchmaking was really, really good. They put him in some really good fights. Obviously, he went yeah. on to beat Victor Postol, and then obviously Baranchik in the World Boxing Super Series, and then ultimately winning the Super Lightweight Tournament and beating Richard Pagrai. So, you know, the way they guided his career in that fact, I don't think he's a bad thing, but... It's quite obvious there's something not right from their side because obviously they've lost Frampton and now they've lost Josh Taylor. And for me, who else have they got now? Marquis Stars. There, there isn't anybody. So there's obviously something not right. And, and obviously we will never probably fully know the ins and outs of it unless there's some sort of court case which goes down, which I suspect could potentially happen because obviously... Shane McGuigan, as soon as the announcement was made, basically put out on Instagram, if you want loyalty, buy a dog. So he was clearly upset about the fact that Josh Taylor had basically ditched the McGuigans. To go with Adam Booth is a very good choice because I think Josh Taylor's style would suit the Adam Booth style and I think they'd work really, really well together and I think they could probably do some great things in the next few fights and I think we could see some great fights for him. The Ramirez fight is the one I think we want to see. So, yeah, I think signing with top rank is, is making that a logical possibility now in the fights in America. So, from that perspective, you can't argue with why a decision has been made. But then again, we don't know the ins and outs of it. Is there, a, is there still a contract? Is he breached his contract? Well, apparently so. So, we'll have to just wait and see, you know, how it all plays out over the course of the next 12 months. Uh, and if there is any big court cases coming of it. But just looking at it from an outside perspective... He wants to further his career. He goes to a, a, a bigger promoter where he's potentially going to get the bigger fights on the bigger stage. So that, to me, signifies the, the right move to make. So there is another big piece of news then this week. And I think touching on the same subject about trainers and changing trainers, Scott Quigg has announced his next fight, and it's against John O'Carroll, March the 7th, Manchester Arena. And he's made the decision to come back to Manchester to train with Joe Gallagher. Yeah, another interesting one. I mean... 
the funny thing is, is with Scott, um, um, when he was under Gallagher, he, he he got some big shots. He got a Frampton fight, didn't he? And that was a, it was a disappointment, especially the first half of that fight. But he was seemingly to get sort of some some decent names. That being said, he did fight Oscar Valdez when he was under Freddie Roach. He obviously felt that you know he wanted to progress his career, and I think it stalled a bit. I actually think it, it probably he thought the grass would be greener, get the bigger shots. Freddie would make him more of a even more attacking, I suppose. Maybe show him something different, which I don't think he really did. He had a weight issue, didn't he, with that uh, Oscar Valdez fight as well. So maybe so he, he thought the grass was greener. He went that side, and it didn't work. I mean, the same thing could happen with Josh Taylor. Who knows? You'd have to see. But and that's why I think he's decided actually, you know. Is an opportunity now to to push on in this in this division, and and he, he wants someone that he knows. So I suppose he's gone with with Joe Gallagher, someone that he knows very well. Is it a step back as well? I think that was a, one of the questions one of the guys asked us, and I don't think it is a step back. I know he's he's like thirty one odd. I, I just think it's probably just going back to that what he knows, I suppose, and 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 hopefully that you know he had good times with Gallagher. So I'm guessing that's why he's done it. So. It's an interesting one. I mean, even to know Carol, he come out and sort of had a, had a little, uh, he was saying, saying he's scared of him or he, he, I don't know, there's something not right and he, he's mentally not stable or something like that. He said. So he's had a little pop at him, uh, just trying to get in his head. So, he, you know, these are the sort of things that fighters do. So I don't know, what do you think? I, I think? I think it's a wise move. You know, as I say, I think his career stalled. So for me, I think why not go back to what you know? So, I don't know, what do you reckon, Sean? I think injuries have hampered his career. He's not fought yeah. since the back end of 2018. And first of all, that was the most significant thing I thought about when this fight was signed with Carroll is... Carroll's been more active, yes, obviously he lost in his challenge to, to Tevin Farmer, but he's had that level of experience that he needs now, and, and Quigg's obviously had injuries left, right and centre over the past couple of years. His decision to go back to Joe Gallagher, is it a, is it the wrong one? Well, Freddie Roach teach him anything new? I don't think he did. I don't think he did, and I think it's a case of you can't teach a, a, an old dog new tricks, and I think that's probably why, going back to Gallagher, he knows what he's going back to, he knows the work ethic, he knows that Gallagher is a world-renowned trainer, regardless of what people may or may not think of him. You know, he's proven. He's proven as a trainer. And I think he could be the guy that probably guides him at this later stage of his career. Because, let's be honest, now he's got to really, really claw his way back to a world title shot. And to do that, he's got to beat John O'Carroll. And if he beats John O'Carroll, then he might be in with another shot. But if he doesn't, for me, that's that's. it sounds harsh, but that's the beginning of the end of his sort of world title Challenges. I don't think he'd he'd get put forward for another one because I don't think people would see him as a as a viable option anymore to to do that. So it's a very very fifty fifty one for him really. If he wins, he potentially goes on and gets a world title shot. If he loses, no one's going to look at him again and say, yeah, world title challenger. They're probably going to push him back down to domestic level, and that's where it becomes an issue as to whether he should stay in the sport or should he retire or, you know, we've seen with Big Pricey the way he's had to go up and then drop right back down again and it's it's not really nice to see, to be honest with you. You know, we we, we kind of throw him a bone in every now and again as fans and we want to see him do well, but reality, these guys want to be world champions. So if he loses, I don't think there's anywhere for him to go on the world stage. Going back to Gallagher, do I think it's the right decision? Well... I think so. I think he's tested the waters. It hasn't worked for him. And he's going back to what he knows, to people he knows, to an area he knows. He comes from Manchester, mm-hmm. he comes from Bury. So why not? Why not do it? I don't think it's a I don't think it's a backward step, personally. I think it's just going back to, to what you know 
and I think that's probably the right move at this stage of his career. He's not been taught anything else. So for me, no, I don't think it's uh, I don't think it's the wrong decision anyway. So swiftly then moving on, Johnson. Let's look at what else has, has been going on over the past couple of weeks. And just recently, we've we've heard the announcement of Tommy Coyle deciding to make his retirement. He did it. He did it on the TKO podcast. And he got really upset about it as well, watching the video yesterday. He was really upset about the fact that he's officially had to accept that he's retiring now. And I just wanted to sort of give props to him, really, because he was a guy that I don't think a lot of people felt was really going to do a lot in the sport. You know, he'd, he'd had a bit of a mixed bag of tricks in his career. But I wanted to really highlight the notable moments of his career for me, rather than focus on the mixed bag of tricks side of things. I think the most interesting fights that I remember watching of Tommy Coyle's where it was probably, first of all, the Daniel Brazuela fight in 2014. I think it was five knockdowns in that fight. That was a really, that was an elevator fight for sure. And then he went on to beat Michael Katsidis later on in 2014, which I thought was a really, really good victory for him as well. He'd obviously go on and, and fight Luke Campbell. He's been in and beat Sean Dodd. And then he obviously went over to Madison Square Garden on the 1st of June 2019, undercard of Joshua Ruiz. His big chance against Chris Algieri, former world champion, Champion, uh, and lost that fight. So really, for, for a guy like Tommy Coyle, who was probably never expected to get anywhere near that level, the same way people say it about Crawler, he's probably overachieved in his career. And that's not a bad thing, because people didn't expect him to get to that level, and he's admitted that himself. So for me, I think the two big fights that I remember watching of Tommy Coyle's where I think, wow, that's what you'll be remembered by, was the Brazila fight. And the Katsidis fight. Yeah, I know. I agree with you. I think I think with Tommy, for me, I I just used to really enjoy watching his fights. He would always entertain you, wouldn't he? He was always, you know, he'd give everything, and you could see it from from when he would have his interviews before a fight, when he would have his interviews after a fight, and, and what he produced in the ring. Um, Tommy would just throw through on the on the line, and that's what you like to see. You know, you want to see a fighter give his all, and he did that. I mean, there's no shadow of doubt that he ever did that. And, I mean, he did. He did get emotional, didn't he? And he had sort of he's, he's had a terrible six months, and he's decided that you know after after such a bad six months that he's decided actually you know it's probably best I don't bother, which is sad. I mean, he's only thirty years old, but you know the cat the cat fight is always the fight I remember with Tommy. Um, he obviously stepped up against Luke Campbell, didn't work. Stepped up against Algeri, didn't work. He just weren't at that level, but that doesn't necessarily mean he hasn't had a good career. I thought he's overachieved really, and what like you say, he wasn't expected to get to the position where he's even fighting these guys. So, credit to him. And, you know, it's it's sad, sort of fighters having to retire at this, you know, and such a bad, sour note as well. But, you know, all I remember, when I always see Tommy Cole's name, I'd be like, I'm definitely watching Tommy because I know he's going to entertain me. And that's what he did. And that's what he should be remembered for. Yeah, certainly. He certainly brought some great nights to to the fans in Hull. Alongside, obviously, Luke Campbell, these two guys have brought some great nights to the Hull fight fans. And fair play to him for doing that and, and putting on some great nights and great shows, especially for us British boxing fans. So, other fights then that have been announced in, in, in our absence has been Shukin Pitters versus Craig Richards for the British Light Heavyweight title on the 28th of March. And it's going to be on Channel 5, so it's terrestrial TV for us here in the UK. We're going to be able to watch it for free and it's a really great fight that we've got and I'm really excited to see this one. Yeah, same there. When we were doing our little wish list, I stuck it in there. Yeah, you, know, you corrected me quite sharply. Sharply actually just to say to me, no, it's happening, John. So I was like, right, lovely. It's a great fight. I really like it. Um it's a fight that I've 
it's, it's obviously with the light heavyweight division in terms of a domestic route. You know, we've got Boatsy, we've got Yard, and we've got Johnson, and obviously they're the three guys that sort of top it. But these are the other two fellas that are just behind and. Whoever gets this victory is going to, they're going to be able to move on. I mean, it could be in a really exciting fight and, and have a rematch. I, that wouldn't surprise me either because it, it's really just got everything you want for a fight. Um, and being on Channel 5 as well is a lovely bonus in it. And it's going to be interesting to see sort of who wins the, the battle of the jabs. Uh, and then uh, we'll, we'll just, I'm, I'm guessing it'll take off from there. So it's really exciting, a great fight to have. We have to wait till the 28th of March to be honest. I'm hoping it can get a little bit sooner. But um, yeah, great fight. Really excited about it. So the final bit of news then. Something we've already touched on in our Boxing Wishlist episode was a fight to look at for this year, which has been rumoured for a good few weeks now. Uh, ever since Daniel Dubois got his victory in December, there's a lot of talk of him fighting Joe Joyce. Uh, I'm seeing from various Twitter accounts, Sam Jones, the manager of Joe Joyce, saying that it's all but confirmed that the Dubois versus Joyce fight is definitely happening but we've not had a full official announcement yet but I really I do think it's imminent, I do think it's happening uh, the only reason it shouldn't happen now is if one of the parties drops out of it and, and decides no, actually we're going to swerve this but it seems very much like it's going to happen and this is one of them fights we put on our wish list that we wanted to see this year in the domestic heavyweight scene was Dubois versus Joyce and it's a great fight and I'm really excited and I really do hope it does happen, we get an announcement in the next week or so. Oh, Absolutely, this is this is one of them that we would love to see. Uh, it's just it, it's just a great time for these two to fight. Dubois, obviously, the guy that I think many people were uh, uh, sort of siding with. They believe he's got enough because Joyce is uh, a little bit slow, uh, but he's, he's he's active. Joyce, he's just got all the ingredients for this to be a special night of boxing, and and I just can't wait for it to happen. I'm sure it will. The discussions have been ongoing for. Back end from last year, and, and now it looks like we're getting into the stage where hopefully it will be confirmed and we get to see another good fight. And, and I'm guessing, I'm, I'm, I'm guessing it'd be March, April time as well. So exciting times in March. It's like a, a great time, uh, of, a great month of boxing, unlike January anyway. So let's talk about the fights that have happened over the past couple of weeks. And at the top of the show, I said it was dry January. It really has been dry January. There's some fights coming up this Thursday night, which we're going to talk about. But the fights that have happened significantly for me that I wanted to touch on, first of all, was the upset of Julian Williams against Gian Rosario, who knocked him out within five rounds to become the new WBA, IBF and IBO super welterweight champion. This was Williams' first defence after beating Jarrett Hurd. And he gets stopped, and now he's lost his titles, and we see a new cat on the scene, Gisarian Rosario, who's now the super welterweight champion. I think that was a, quite a big upset, to be honest with you. I don't think anybody expected that. I think everybody had obviously not given Rosario any credit whatsoever as a fighter, because they'd not really seen anything of him, especially here on the UK sure. But after seeing that fight back, I was like, you know, this guy's actually a pretty decent fighter, and, you know, Julian Williams now picks up the second loss of his career, but also loses them three titles in the process. Yeah, it was, it was definitely a shock to me. I wasn't expecting it. I didn't know too much about Rosario. So um, I suppose we expected Julian Williams to go in there and get the win after beating Jarrett Hurd, who, who I do like Jarrett Hurd. I was, I was shot off. That was a really big shock when Williams beat Hurd. So for him to have his first defence against Rosario, it didn't work out for him. I mean, it it, it was it was actually a really entertaining fight to be fair the best fight of the month so far and and one thing I say about Rosario is when he when he had Williams hurt and he put him down for the first time I have to say that his patience was it was it was 
really, I was really impressed with um, the way he sort of he picked his shots beautifully, and he threw a, a wonderful right uppercut that that knocked Williams for six. And I tell you what, referee was quick to jump in because he could see he was really hurt. And, and what finish from the kid! I mean, I thought that was a great finish from him, and he showed, as I say, great patience and and a bit of a chin as well. He got a bit of a whack from Williams, so um, yeah, he looks like he could be a guy that we, we need to be keeping an eye on. I think he does. He's obviously now super welterweight champion, three different belts, and we're going to definitely see some great fights for him. I think you know Jarrett Heard will probably probably be his first defense. It wouldn't surprise me because Jarrett Heard obviously got a routine win over Francisco Santana over ten rounds as well. So he's looking to get back his titles, and I think that's possibly where that first defense might come. Jarrett Heard versus Rosario, which will be an interesting fight to see how them two get on later on this year if that should happen and then also we've seen the return of Danny Garcia he got a routine victory over Aidan Radkak after being bitten on his shoulder on a, on a couple of occasions and it just reminded me very much of the bite fight <laughs> yeah <laughs> uh, I don't know I, I think he ran Radkak I think he knew he was he was going to get beat uh, thought, thought he'd make it be entertaining with with that beautiful yellow hair of his as well. God knows what on earth he was thinking about putting that on his barnet. But, you know, I suppose, you know, he, he stood out, didn't he? I think that was the only thing he stood out for was his haircut and his biting rather than his fight. <laughs> uh, uh, Danny Garcia is, is such a routine win. Um, uh, the only talking point is those, you know, the little nibbles and, and his, and his barnet. Other than that, Danny Garcia is just a routine victory. And you see the highlights. I haven't watched the whole fight. So, um, but obviously, they, they obviously uh, signified the main parts of that fight, which was just exactly as you explained, the little nibbles and, and, and he's there. Um, but other than that, I mean, Danny Garcia, I do like Danny. I've, you know, his dad is obviously uh, quite entertaining as well. So, I'm expecting Danny to to be in and around in that worldweight division. And, you know, maybe, maybe a Sean Porter fight. I don't know. I can't really think. I can't see him fighting Crawford. It could happen. Um, obviously, he's had the Furman fight. Furman could happen again. Um, yeah, I, I, for Danny Garcia, I just like. I think, to be honest, I think he's not quite big enough for the welterweight division. That's my opinion. I think he should drop back down. But um, I think that's his problem. I think he was a banger in the division below. But yeah, you just want to see Danny in the big fights. Really, he's at that stage of his career, that's what you want to see. I think that's what what's disappointing me at the moment is I want to see Danny Garcia fight the big names of the welterweight division and we've not really seen that have we recently and I think that's that gets frustrating if you are a Danny Garcia fan like you said yourself you want to see him in entertaining fights you want to see him fight the bigger names of the division and obviously with all due respect to his opponent Redcatch it's not not really the name you want to see you want to see him with your Porters you want to see him in there with your Crawfords I mean Errol Spence looks like he's been out partying and on the piss looking at social media so your your prediction of him maybe not even fighting this year could be coming true and we're already in January looking at the, the, the mental factor of that crash that happened last year we don't even know where that's going to lead so are we going to see maybe Danny Garcia Pacquiao? Probably not, but you know it's still up there. It's a viable option, so yeah, we'll get not. to see. We we'll get to see what happens later on down the line. But yeah, routine win for Danny Garcia as well over the past couple of weeks. So this Thursday gives us another match for boxing bill in the USA, and there's a couple of entertaining prospect fights on there and I think that I wanted to highlight them because this is probably the best card of the month and the the only decent card of the month to be honest with you so we've got Tevin Farmer defending his IBF super featherweight title against Joseph Diaz who's 30 and 1 which I think 
it's a really cracking fight, and the bookies have got this really close in terms of odds, so I think they're expecting possibly could be an upset on the cards for this one. You've got Demetrius Andrade defending against Ireland's very own Luke Keeler, who's gone over there. He's a very, very improved fighter from over Ireland, and I think you know he might give Andrade some, some trouble for a few rounds, but ultimately... I see Andrade getting the victory there. In the bantamweight division, you've got Daniel Roman against Mujeran Akmandilaev, if I pronounced that right, for the WBA wow. and IBF World Super Bantamweight titles. And then you've got Anthony Sims Jr., 20-0. And you've got Amanda Serrano, also on that card. We've talked about her as a potential future Katie Taylor opponent. And then you've also got Arthur Jones the third. I'm not even going to talk about the absolute charade of another YouTuber fight that is on the depths of that on the card as well. But it is. So that is probably the best card of January, to be honest with you. And when I said it's dry January, it really is dry January. We've not got any other decent fights on for the rest of the month. And we're at the end of the month now. So that's a pretty decent card to catch up with, isn't it, on Friday? Yeah, it really is, and then Andrade and and Kayla is an interesting one. But I think I think Farmer and uh, Jojo Diaz is definitely the one um, to look out for. Um, I, I mean, Diaz only lost to Russell Junior. Russell Junior, we know how fast his hands are, and you know I think he's sort of a bit old man Diaz that night, and he was just kept moving, throwing shots. And Diaz could quite set himself, and he just wasn't at it that night. And I think that was probably all in part to do with Russell Junior. To be fair, is just the one fight year man isn't he um, guy that just doesn't fight enough for me but uh, sticking with Farmer and Diaz I think Farmer again he's, he's he just he has that sort of Mayweather stance at times isn't he where he sort of just I don't know he sort of bides his way through fights and just he, he, he's not active enough and I think if Diaz can get in his face and really have a go at Farmer I think he could cause him all sorts of problems and and I do think that that is a potential shot for the night. I'm, I'm with you. Uh, but a good card. I mean, it's a decent card. And obviously, Roman against... Uh, you, you you said his name absolutely superbly, Sean, and I'm not going to ruin it. Uh, I know he's 7-0. and um, And he's, uh, you know, he was, he's from the old uh, World Boxing Super Series as well, wasn't he? Uh, he had a good career in that. And, and you know, 7-0, he's got, he got to the title shot. He's a title shot, isn't it? Is it a legitimate title? It's not one of those... Interim titles, is it? It's a proper no. title, I think. Yeah, yeah. W- yeah. So, WBA, IBF. I don't know. I think his kid might have something. And, um, he's definitely one to look out for. And, uh, you know, I'm expecting him to get a victory that night. I think he could well get the win. And we'll see, obviously. You know, he's, he's getting chucked in 7 We won't know. Maybe just it's a learning fight for him and he will get better from it. But, yeah, that's an interesting one for me. Uh, but good, definitely. Strong card. And it's, it's nice to see finally one in January that we can actually sit down and really enjoy. Yeah, I'm looking forward to it. I'm definitely going to be catching up with that. For us, it'll be early hours of Friday morning, so I'll probably catch up with it on Friday afternoon more than likely. <laughs> yeah. after, after I get back from work, I'm pretty sure I'll catch up with that. But um, yeah, good card. Probably the best of the month before boxing season really, really kicks in. And obviously that's why it's so dry, because it is the off-season in boxing. So to, to try and get some amazing fights is, is usually few and far between. But what I decided to have a quick look at was to see if there was any historical bouts that had took place in January over the course uh, of the last 20, 30 years to see if there was any fights where I thought, you know, it's been such a boring month and, and, and there's been no exciting major fights that have happened in January. Let me just have a quick look back and see if there were any decent fights. So I picked out four. There is more. So before anybody decides to start correcting me before I go into this, there are more fights on there that I can try and reel off the top of my head. But the ones that I picked out selectively were the 15th of January 2000. It was 
well, Wales' own Barry Jones dropping Asinlio Freitas in the opening round of their WBO Super Featherweight contest, only for Barry to be knocked down six times in that fight and ultimately stopped. That was you know a big fight back in the year 2000 for Barry Jones. And then you also had the 21st of January 2006, Manny Pacquiao stopping Eric Morales in 10 rounds to avenge his defeat from 2005. Then we've also got the 29th of January 2000, Mike Tyson coming over to Manchester to stop Julius Francis and Manchester in his first bout in Europe, would you believe? And that was something, when I look back on, I was a bit surprised about. I thought, I thought he'd fought in Europe before that, but clearly I was wrong. And then another one, this was from 1982, the 30th of January 1982, Wilfred Benitez defended his WBC super welterweight title, beating Roberto Duran with a unanimous decision. So, actually, January has provided us with some pretty decent fights over the years. It's just this particular January 2020 has been a bit lacklustre for us all as boxing fans because there's not really been a lot going on fight-wise other than what we've really highlighted. So, what we also decided to do then, Johnston, was on Twitter, you put a little message out to people to see if they wanted to get involved and put any questions over to us to answer for the episode and any thoughts about what was going on in boxing recently so i put a little list together of all the guys that got in touch with us over twitter so first of all thank you so much for doing that and getting in contact with us with a few different questions and and here we are this is our q a section for the episode so I think we'll start with the first one I've got on the list is from our friends over uh, Let's Talk Boxing. It's at Rebel Boxing 1. Ewan, he's asking about the World Boxing Super Series, Johnson. He's asking about the final between Dortikos and Bradis and who we think is going to win that one. Oh, it's, it's another, it's a good fight. That I really, uh, I've been looking forward to it. It's, I thought it was going to happen at the back end of last year and obviously it's moved into this year. I'm not quite sure why it's taken so long. I don't know if that was... For any reason in particular, to be honest, I haven't really looked into it. But what a brilliant fight! I mean, I'm, I, Dortikus for me, um, you know, Nat Gasset, Gasset of fight, the uh, stunner in Sochi. Uh, that that was the first real introduction for me. I mean, I knew of him. I'd seen a couple of fights, but nothing in particular uh, as good as that one. And I thought that was an outstanding fight. And and that's, he's only one defeat on his record. And, and obviously, uh, Bradis is, you know, he he pushed him all the way, and he's. Uh, semi-final in the last World Boxing Series. So, oh, it's, it's a really good fight. I, I mean, I know uh, Aaron, he, he, did he not say uh, he, he thinks Dortikus, the, the doctor, as he calls himself, is it the knockout, KO doctor, whatever he calls himself. I'm with him. I think I think Dortikus is, is going to have enough. I think he's, he's ended up for it. Not that Bredis isn't. I just think um, I, I, there's just something about Dortikus. I really enjoy watching him fight, and I think he might just have the power. That being said, as I say, Brutus, he had a great night against Usyk. If he brings that again, it could be a really interesting fight. I'm, I'll go Dortmund because I don't know about you, Sean, but it's, got, it's, a, it's a great fight, isn't it? It really is. I think the two best cruiserweights in the division right now. Yeah, I agree. Two best cruiserweights in the division at this moment in time. And I think it's a very difficult one. And I'm not going to sit on the fence with this one. And I do think Dartacross will go in there and pick up a stoppage victory over Bradis. And it's a bold statement to make. Of course it is, because it could completely go the other way and Brady's could go and beat him on points which is a possibility but I do think the KO doctor's going to go in there uh, and stop Brady's and I think we're going to get a really really entertaining fight it also depends on obviously the game plan of Brady's of course if he comes and he's very cautious and he's he's just looking to box behind the jab uh, and he's not looking to get engaged with Dartikos it's going to make it a bit more of a difficult night for Dartikos but obviously we've seen if he lands 
you know, it's the beginning of the end for most fighters. So it's a, it's a really interesting concept and a great final. And I'm really looking forward to, to that particular final. So thanks for sending in your question, Ewan. Really good Thank question. You. Looking forward to the, the Cruiserweight World Boxing Super Series final. Moving on, like, who have we got next? We've got Jack. So we've got at Jack Hardy, 1997, listener to the show. Thank you, Jack, for messaging in. So he's asked if AJ could beat Fury. And if so, how could he do it? Yeah, depends, isn't it? I mean, I, I'm guessing that looking at the old AJ, that the fight with uh, Ruiz, um obviously brought a completely different game plan to the one we've been used to seeing with Joshua. Um, and would that actually work against Fury? Probably not. Um, I think AJ would need to be a lot more aggressive than he was against Ruiz Jr. in their rematch. And I think, I, I believe that although Fury, is, is it, for me, other than Usyk, is the best heavyweight in terms of his style and he's the best boxer for me I think he's got he's got more than enough ability to outbox Joshua but Joshua would need to work on trying to cut that ring off and trying to put it on Fury and, and I think one thing about Fury is for his size he's not that much of a devastating puncher obviously question marks have been raised by Anthony Joshua's chin I don't think that's that much of an issue I think people have read too much into that I think that I don't think Fury would have the power to stop Joshua unless he was to just hit him with an abundance of shots and I, I just think Joshua may be a lot more aggressive against Fury because of that and I think because he will know if, as long as Fury doesn't get set because when he throws his shots Fury he doesn't really throw it from his legs does he he sort of comes from the top end so I think that's where he doesn't quite get the power, but he's always got the speed. Oh, I don't know, it's, it's really intriguing. I, I think Joshua would, would have to go back to his old school style, almost the style we had against Klitschko, and um, and, and try and throw those uppercuts and those just throw combinations when closer to Fury and, and hope that one of them lands. Because we know Fury does go down. He does get up, but he does go down. So, yeah, I think it's just such an intriguing fight. And that's why it needs to be at Wembley. Not anywhere else, and uh, I don't know. But would you reckon, Sean? Do, can can he beat him? And and if so, uh, yeah, I suppose that's a great question. Well, it's a very intriguing question. It'll have a lot of people having divided opinions over it. My opinion is that anybody on any given night can beat any opponent, regardless of how much they brag themselves up to be this undefeated monster or this this KO artist or whatever you want to call yourself in boxing. There's always history tells us there's always going to be a possibility that you're going to get beaten unless you fly Mayweather and obviously you pick your fights at certain times of your career of course uh, ooh bitchy but of course of course AJ and Fury uh, is, is a fight we've talked about at the top of the show we wanted to really see this and can AJ beat him well I think he can I think he can. I think if he adopts the right game plan, he gets close enough. He does land uppercuts. He does land a variety of punches. As long as he's moving his head and he's moving his feet around, I think he's got a good chance. However, I've always maintained, and I'm not going to go back on it, that if they ever met in the ring, I think Fury would beat him. And I think Fury would outbox him. And I think unless... Anthony Joshua's footwork drastically improves as it looked in the Ruiz fight in the rematch and if it drastically improves and continues to improve and we see that against potentially say Pulev if he fights him next which is looking likely so if we see more of that in his next fight and then maybe the fight after that before Fury then possibly yeah possibly you can beat him but I do think he's going to have to move his head a lot more and move his feet a lot more in the ring and I'm sure they'll have a game plan and I'm sure Ron McCracken will have that start of game plan there because obviously we know what Fury's going to do we know what he's all about we know he's going to be able to go in there and he's going to try and outbox Anthony Joshua and he's going to probably try and do 
some daft things during the fight just to show off, of course. But we also know, as you said, he goes down and he gets back up. So, you know, if Joshua lands on Fury, will he knock him down? Well, Steve Cunningham knocked Fury down and he was a blown-up cruiserweight. So, yeah, of course. Of course it can happen. So, Jack, can he beat him? Yes, I think he can. But will he? Well, it remains to be seen. I still still say that Fury would beat him if they ever meet. So, thanks, Jack, for putting that question across to us as well. Another one that we've got then from at Blueboy22M, Derek asks for our thoughts on Shukan Pitters versus Craig Richards. And I think we've already kind of touched on that uh, a little bit, Derek. So I'm not going to overly go any more into it other than that I think we it is a great fight. It's an intriguing fight. The fact that it's on Channel 5 is fantastic for us. And I think this is the fight for me Craig Richards has been looking for because I feel like at times he's been a little bit avoided. But in his last fight... It looked like he was struggling a little bit at times. Maybe it was just lack of motivation for the fight. I don't know. But Shakan Peters has got that really long, gangly frame. And I think he's going to utilise that jab very well. But I think Craig Richards, once he hits somebody, he's proven that he can hurt him. So it's an intriguing fight as to who wins. I'm yet to decide on that one, Derek. So apologies if I'm sitting on the fence for this. But Johnston, what do you think, you know, your thoughts that you've already given against what you what your heart's telling you about this fight? Yeah, I don't know. It's really tricky because there's just not really much between them. Um, I think Peters is, you know, he won the uh, ultimate boxer, didn't he? Uh, that tournament. And he, he looked really good that night winning his three fights and then obviously he's gone on to, to win again and, and Richards obviously you know he's had the big fights I mean he's even come out and said he, you know he look who he's fought kind of thing and you know Peters has got nowhere, nowhere near my level and to be honest that's him just talking himself up because there really is nothing between them and as you say Peters is long range and he leave, them long levers are going to cause uh, Richards problems but you know Spider Richards he's got his own uh, it's going to be a battle of the jabs and then it's a, ba- a matter of after that, I think I think Richards is going to want to go for it. He does like a little scrap at times. So I, I can't call it. Um, do you know what? He's from Crystal Palace. So I'll go, I'm going to go Richards because <laughs> he's up the road for me. <laughs> yeah, anyway, he's local. So, but yeah, I really, I'll, I'll back Richards all the way just because he's just from my neck of the woods. Right, well, I've only got one final question then before we call it a halt to the Q&A section. <laughs> so this is from, our again, our friend over at Simbox, Luke underscore Simbox. Thoughts on fights that have never happened for Tommy Coyle, i.e. Crawler. So that was one fight that I think we all thought that Crawler was going to have as his final fight was against Tommy Coyle. And I think even Coyle felt like that, might, that fight might happen. And unfortunately, it never did. What do you think about other fights for Tommy Coyle? And do you think a fight with Crawler would have been good? Maybe a fight with Ricky Burns? You know, these types of fights that he never really was able to get involved in. Well, do you think they would have been fantastic fights for him? I think they would have been great fights. I think Anthony Crawler would have been an excellent fight. for that's a great pick straight away. I mean, the only other one I was thinking was a, a Terry Flanagan, possibly. The other names I sort of thought of was Kevin Mitchell, John Murray, Gavin Rees. But, you know, they sort of retired. I mean, Mitchell was 2015. Murray 14, Rees 2014. So I don't think they, he was quite at that level to get to get far over any of those guys. But that would have been a good, an interesting scrap. Just with John Murray, I think that would have been a really good fight because they're both quite aggressive. Uh, but yeah, I suppose for me, Anthony Crawler was the fight that really would have would have been good for Tommy. So it's unfortunate it didn't happen for him. But um, yeah, it would have really been a great fight. And it's a good, you know, we can dream of these fights, but unfortunately it's never happened. And uh, it's unfortunate for time because I think it would have been a good night for him. So we've just also got one more question that I nearly forgot about, but we did touch on earlier on in the episode. And it was obviously about Scott Quigg's fight with John O'Carroll. Now, the question was from James Slatman, J underscore Slatman on Twitter. 
he was basically asking why Scott Quigg has returned to Joe Gallagher. He's put surely at 31 years old and having learned everything he could of Joe, this is the point where he gets a new trainer and gives the last two to three years of his career a huge last final push. It sounds like a bit safe and conservative to me. What do you make of that question? Um, I, I can understand where he's coming from. Um, I really do. Um, on the other hand, I can sort of see why Scott Quigg's done what he's done. I think, um, I mean, we, we touched on it earlier, didn't we, in terms of he had his injuries, he's had problems, he's had a bit of, he's, he's stalled a little bit, and I think it's just a matter of going back to what he knows. It's exactly a, a matter of him just going back to what he knows and feeling comfortable in that environment. And, and I think that is the reason for Scott doing what he's doing and deciding to go back with, with Gallagher. So, but it, is, it does seem conservative, it does seem safe, but on the other hand, I think uh, he's going to give it one last push and I think, you know, it, it hopefully will work out for him. We'll see what happens for Scott in the fight with John O'Carroll. We're doing a big fight preview, of course, nearer the time for that particular one. There was one more topic that was brought up in your post on Twitter, and that was about the Olympics 2020 and the boxing for the Olympics and how Team GB are going to do. And we had one particular message on Twitter from Jamie Ingleby. Uh, Jamie underscore Ingleby on Twitter was basically talking about some of the fighters to watch. So there was quite a few on the list there, and I can't honestly say I'm completely well versed with all of the fighters i know about peter mcgrail i know about yafai i know about a couple of the other fighters on that list but he come with a real breath of knowledge and it was really refreshing to see you know some of the people to look out for and obviously you had sandy ryan on there i'm aware of sister of dave ryan so it was good to see somebody coming there with a sort of fresh eyes and giving people an opportunity to sort of look at some of them names that are coming up in the Olympics. And I'm really excited for the Olympics and, and, and really excited for the crop that, that Team GB are going to have in the Olympics this year and, and what the future is going to hold for them because the last two Olympics for, for British prospects coming out of it have been phenomenal. Yeah, they really have. And, and obviously we've got the uh, the boxing road to Tokyo Olympics in 2020, which is happening in the Copper Box Arena uh, up at the uh, Queen Elizabeth Park. Um, in I think I believe it's the 14th to the 24th of March 2020. So uh, you've got 350 men and women and over 40 countries competing for 77 places in Tokyo. So it's the first part of these 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 guys and ladies to try and get into the Olympics, isn't it? And I kind of you know the names you mentioned, Pat McCormack is obviously one. He had a great year last year. Uh, I think he got an award, didn't he, as well for uh, for how well he's done. And obviously Fraser Clark is one I know. Uh, Siobhan uh, Clark, who's who's uh, 91 kilos, heavyweight. Um, he moved over to Britain, I believe, uh, moved over to represent Team GB in 2012 or 2016, around that time. Ben Whitaker's another one. Uh, Luke McCormack, Pat's brother, uh, and obviously your fire. But um, we have got a great side, a great team, and and I believe we're capable of, of, of picking up some medals, and there's no reason why we can't. And Obviously, the other one is, uh, is Caroline Dubai, we've mentioned before. 2019 BBC Young Sports Personality of the Year, uh, the International um, Olympic Committee. Um, they, they they took over organising the qualifiers due to some serious governance issues, which obviously, if people watch, uh, listen to uh, Bunsen, Costello, they mention that a lot. And it did mean that the qualifiers, the Olympic qualifiers, was postponed from 2019 to 2020. In actual fact, that's helped Caroline because she wouldn't have actually been eligible to represent Great Britain. So, it, you know, she's now going to be 20. And she, she's got an opportunity. Um, and obviously Hannah Robinson is another one and Lauren Price. So Hannah Robinson, I'm not too sure if she, if she actually makes the catchment to get in there. But um, definitely one to look out for in the future. And obviously Lauren Price also picked up awards recently. And 
they are the sort of names you're going to be hearing often in the Olympics. And as you say, Sean, I'm so looking forward to it. I can't wait, mate. Yeah, I am really looking forward to it. I'm really looking forward to what the Olympics is going to bring for us and, and the crop that can potentially come from this Olympics. And I think this is what excites me about what we've got coming up, really. And, and a couple of the other names that uh, Jamie's threw, threw into the mix there as well, and not just obviously from a British perspective, he's, he's given us a, a good, decent list there. And he said, these are names to look out for. I'm going to try and pronounce them without absolutely doing a number on them. So we've got Zoryov, uh, Bibi, Bibiosinov, Walker Cruz, Davis, Martial, uh, and also to see how Lopez and La Cruz fare in their new weight classes. So, Jamie, thanks very much for obviously bringing that to the attention of, of ourselves and obviously the listeners as well because, you know, there is probably people out there that are a bit more well-versed in the amateur side of the sport than, than myself. So it's really good to get more of an insight into that and, and hear about the ones to watch for the Olympics for 2020. So... That's about it for this episode. We've covered all the news, the rumours, the fights, all our thoughts on what's been going on recently. And obviously we've had listeners, questions and answers. So it's been great to get back on the air. It's been about 18 days since we dropped an episode. So I'm really happy to be getting this back out there. And obviously you've seen ourselves promoting all the new podcast feeds on social media. So if you've not already followed all the other social media feeds, you've got Legendary Nights podcast, which is now Legend Night Pod. And then you've also got the Ones to Watch pod, which is Ones to Watch pod on Twitter. And then you've also got Career Underscore Profiles for the Career Profile series. Episodes are dropping on there on a weekly basis. So please go and listen to all them. Subscribe to the feeds. It really helps us go further with our dreams in this podcasting world so thank you as always for supporting the podcast if you've got any more thoughts feelings and questions please drop us a line on twitter at btr boxing pod and a message in the dms is also fine so thanks very much for listening we'll see you on the next episode Podcast Network. I'm Victoria Cash. Thanks for calling the Lucky Land Hotline. If you feel like you do the same thing every day, press one. If you're ready to have some serious fun for the chance to redeem some serious prizes, press two. We heard you loud and clear. So go to LuckyLandSlots.com right now and play over a hundred social casino-style games for free. Get lucky today. At LuckyLandSlots.com. Available to players in the U.S., excluding Washington and Michigan. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply.